The best way to listen to Radio Captain U is on the way to practice. You can subscribe for free through the podcast app on your iPhone or Android and then enjoy more than 40 episodes. We'd like to thank our partners, including U.S. Lacrosse and the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, for their leadership in communicating sports science and technology. There's a lot more to being a successful athlete than learning technique and tactics. On Radio Captain U, we introduce you to the leaders of the sports revolution. Welcome to Radio Captain U, everyone. I'm Avi Stopper, and on this episode, I'm joined by Scott Jurek, the ultra-marathoner. How many times have you gone out and run more than 100 miles? Scott has done it on many occasions and is one of the most decorated ultra-marathoners in history. He's won the Western States Endurance Run, a 100-mile race, seven times. Let's jump into the interview now. Well, Scott Jerk, welcome to Radio Captain U. Let's start at the start. How on earth did you get into running? I basically started running really as a kid, kind of occasionally I'd enter like a mile race here or there, or a kid's fun mile, local 4th of July festivities and that sort of thing. And I kind of was into it, but at the same time, not so much and dabbled in it, tried eighth grade, did a basically a season of track. And it was never really something that I just loved to do. In fact, as things kind of progressed, I was like, I really kind of hate running. I'm not really into it at all. And so it wasn't until I got into cross-country skiing in my sophomore year and our coach said, hey, during the summer and the off season, you guys and gals have to figure out what type of activity you're going to do five days a week, You know, whether it's roller skiing or biking or basically picking up the running shoes and going running. And I didn't have, didn't have a bike didn't have roller skis or roller blades, just didn't have any of this stuff and couldn't afford it. So my choice was running. And each day I'd try and run three, four miles, get a little further. And by the end of the summer, I was going out for seven, eight mile runs. So how did you get from three to four mile runs, seven to eight is a little bit on the longer side, up to the kinds of things that you do now, these ultra marathons that sometimes are more than a hundred miles? Well, it was one of those things where I wasn't very fast. I mean, I was one of the kids on the high school ski team. You know, I went to junior nationals. I did okay in 10K races and dabbled a little bit in 15K races. But when it came to running, I tried a season of cross-country running in high school, and I just didn't have the speed. Like, I felt like I could go longer, and it was more of my talent to be able to go longer and run well as the distances got longer. But when it came to the short stuff, you know, all my interval and track workouts. I was kind of in the middle of the pack. Even in college, I ran a couple seasons of Division Three cross country, and I was just kind of barely hanging on to the team and just able to make it. And then a buddy of mine, Dusty Olson, got into the 50-miler called the Minnesota Voyager and went out and won it his first year. And he was 20 at the time. And I thought, that's crazy. But at the same time, I was intrigued. And he's like, hey, you got to try this out. So the next year, I was on the starting line, ran my first Grandma's Marathon a month before, did that under three hours, and then ran my first 50-miler one month later. And it was just one of those things I did kind of on a whim, but also I spent a lot of time out in the trails running two, three hours with my friends who were training for the Nordic ski season. And we just spend tons of time out in the woods. And as somebody who grew up hunting and fishing, I just really fell in love with trail running and found out, you know, I could pass the time, you know, basically hours would slip by when I'd be out on the trails. So I'm glad you broached the subject 
It's really the elephant in the room when you talk about really, really long races and running for extended periods of time. You described it as thinking, wow, that's crazy. How do you respond to people when you tell them what they do and they're like, wow, that's nuts? Yeah, I totally recognize their, you know, just can't believe it type attitude and like, oh, that's something I wouldn't even think people did. Like, I heard of marathons and, you know, ultra marathons are becoming a little bit more known, but it is a big jump. So I think I totally recognize that. But then at the same time, I kind of explain it in a way that gets people excited about it. I mean, part of what I feel is that we all as humans have this ability and strength, whether it's endurance or muscle strength. We always think of the human body as something that isn't as strong or isn't as fast or isn't able to endure the things that we'd endure. So I try to describe in a way like it is actually really fun. A lot of people think that running must just be really boring for that long. And how do you just deal with the discomfort and the challenges that arise? But I try to describe it in a way that keeps it interesting. And for somebody who hasn't even, say, competed in endurance activities or does anything for exercise can kind of get the allure to that distance. And I think it's just about kind of exploring and going beyond what you think is possible. That's what really intrigued me as a 20-year-old. You know, most 20-year-olds aren't thinking about running 50 miles. And I think all of us as humans have that desire to explore and just go a little bit further or a little bit faster than we think. So let's rewind and go back to that first 50-mile race. At the end, how is it that your thought process was, wow, let's do more of that as opposed to, wow, that really hurt. I'm never going to do that again. Well, my thought process was definitely the latter when I finished my first 50 miler. I was like, that was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And at that point, I was like, never again. It was somewhat cool, but I was just like, I can't believe I ran that far. You definitely feel pretty proud of the accomplishment, but at the same time, you know, my legs hurt. I was dehydrated. I'd had cramps the last 20 miles, and I was just thinking to myself, okay, that was cool in a certain way, but never again. And then, of course, you know, couple days later after the soreness wears off and I started thinking like, wow, I finished second place. You know, maybe I could try a few more of these events. Maybe this is kind of, you know, my thing. And yeah, I think like a lot of people after their first five or 10K or even half marathon or their first cross country race or track race in high school, they're just like, wow, why did I do that? That was crazy. That was just too hard. And then we change our mind. You just kind of like distance running, you kind of learn to respect the challenge that you overcome and that discomfort. And you, you learn to appreciate it as a way of growing and as a way of just expanding your boundaries and limits. And even though it's really hard, there's, I think, something to be gained. We learn a lot through that process. And I think most individuals can appreciate that. Even on the outside, we're still kind of like, that was too hard, never again. I want to talk in a minute a little bit more about the allure that you've mentioned. You've talked a little bit about being with nature and pushing yourself to your limit and seeing what you're capable of. I wonder, though, before we go there, to what extent you had quite a bit of success very early on in your career as an ultramarathoner. And I'm wondering, to what degree do you think that having that kind of initial success, that kind of positive feedback really draws you forward? Because the reality is that most people who run those kinds of races aren't going to do very well at the beginning on their first go. And maybe that positive feedback loop isn't there. So do you think that kind of having that initial success and maybe feeling like, well, maybe I'm kind of a natural at this was really what opened the door to continue with it? I definitely think having success or recognizing like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I want to delve into that a little bit more. I want to see what I can do with this sport or this activity. You know, it definitely helps. I think 
you know, <laughs> success, again, as human beings, you know, we're driven to explore, but it also helps to succeed once in a while. And I think that definitely spurred me as a young athlete and somebody who hadn't been top in any sports. I mean, I was pretty average. And on paper, you know, my fitness, you know, sure, I ran a sub three hour marathon, but I wasn't, you know, running collegiately or in high school at a level that coincides with what I was doing on the ultra trail. So I definitely think it helped. I think, too, it helps to be inspired by coaches and mentors that keep it fun. I mean, I had a lot of people throughout my life from my high school cross-country ski coach, uh, Gwen Sorensen, who really made working hard out on the trails and out dry land training a lot of fun. And I just was kind of drawn to that experience and keeping this fun attitude and the people involved with the sport. And then there were people like my buddy Hippie Dan, who used to run and win races in blue jeans and like just kind of taught me there's this other side as much as success is important. There's a fun element. And I think I was influenced early in my career by these individuals too. It's like, yeah, this is hard work, but it can also be fun. And then, you know, my buddy Dusty too got me into the sport. There's a fun element of it. And that's what I think helped too. I think it's probably hard for most people to look at this and say, wow, that looks really fun. But what does that say then for people who go out and try something like this? From what I gather, you're a pretty huge advocate of people getting out and running and trying stuff like this. What is your success and the fact that you had early success that gave you that kind of positive feedback? What does that say for the rest of us, those of us who maybe go out and run a 10K or a marathon and finish way, way back? I think it says that you have to define what success means to you. And I think that's what is so amazing about the sport. You know, people set their own time goals. They set their own age group goals. They go back to a certain race. I mean, I went back seven years in a row to Western States to just see, chart my progress. Sure, I was winning the race every year, but it was a way for me to gauge. And so many people like to do a certain event, you know, every year or every other year and just kind of see how the progress. And I think that progress, I think personal goals can be just as important as success because for me, success might have meant being at the top, you know, podiuming at the finish, winning, those kind of things. But at the end of the day, it's really about the whole process, the training for it, what you learn about your body and your mind and your soul and how you get to that finish line and the experience you have in the race is really this all-encompassing journey, not this end point of like either you succeeded or you failed distance running is really about what you learn along the way in the process. If you're focused on winning and only your goals, um, it's really hard to justify you know, going out and doing what we do on a daily basis. And that's something that you can do at the top of the sport, whether you're an elite competitor or you're somebody who's just trying to finish the race. And from 20 years of running these races, that's the perspective I have now. When I was young, sure, it was all about winning. But over the years, I learned to realize, hey, there's this deeper meaning to what I do. Because let's face it, you start to question that after a while. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So getting back to the point about what's the actual appeal or the allure of doing this kind of thing, it sounds like that's probably more along the lines of really what you're out for. And so can you share some of those lessons with us? Some of the things that you've found are the real, you know, if you're defining success in your own way and success isn't totally inextricably linked with actually winning the race, how do you define success and what are the things that you're really looking for? I would define success as really have you grown as an individual or personally for me beyond winning it was what could I learn about my body and I found out the body is a lot stronger 
stronger and our mind is also a lot more capable of dealing with situations. So I learned that I'm a lot stronger and I can get through a lot more difficult situations. I also learned that when times get tough, it's how we deal with the situations. One year, I badly sprained my ankle and it was that kind of ankle sprain that basically a pop could be heard popping sound of ligaments tearing and I ran 50 miles and went on to win. So I learned to deal with situations where you either adapt and figure out the obstacle or the challenge versus decide like, hey, I've got to just stop right now or I can't do this. Same thing like in Badwater, uh, mile 70, I thought I was toast. I was like, why am I trying to do this, you know, less than two weeks after winning the Western States 100. And those are the situations where I think I learned the most. Not only is my body stronger and more able to do things, I could get through those challenges with my mind by being adapted to situations. And I've used those lessons, you know, today in life from the races to the training that I do. And I think it's those experiences, getting through difficult situations, putting ourselves in that kind of raw primal state of like, okay, how am I going to get off this mountain? How am I going to get through the, the heat of Death Valley? Like, you know, waking up after running seven hours the day before and going out, it's like dealing with that, not only discomfort, but the mental challenge of how do I get out there and do it again? So one of the things that I'm curious about, given that perspective, now that you have many years of this under your belt, if you could kind of go back and tell either your high school athlete self or when you were early in your 20s and just kind of beginning your career, some of the lessons that you've learned, what are some of the things that you would tell yourself that you think would really help kind of inform your progression and development? Yeah, that's, that's a difficult one to like go back and think, you know, what could I have done differently or what would I have told myself. I'm one of those individuals that even though I think back like, oh, maybe if I had done this differently, you know, maybe it could have helped. But I try not to think like, oh, I wish I could have changed the way life has taken me or my career or running has taken me. I think really, for me, I look at life as kind of one of these evolving timelines and you make decisions, but there's no like looking back being like, oh, if only I had done this. And that's what ultra marathoning for me, if I were to be able to go back a young runner and realize that not being able to change something is actually a benefit because it puts me in that primal state of being adaptable, thinking on the fly, mentally really having to psych myself up and just be like, okay, I can recognize the emotion of rolling and badly spraining my ankle at mile 50 in Western States. And I can have the emotions of like, you know what? I'm not going to win. Who knows even if I'm going to win this or let alone finish this race or continue to go on. You know, I really wanted to win this event to going through all those emotions and letting myself kind of process that quickly, but then right away turning on the switch of like, okay, I have to deal with the present situation, be in the present moment and figure out, okay, what can I do to remedy this situation? You know, how am I going to deal with the pain each time my foot is landing and hitting the ground? And how can I be strategic and making sure that people don't realize like I'm running on a badly sprained ankle and I come into aid stations and my competitors who think that, okay, I'm toast and give them a medal. So it's really about if I were to be able to go back, I think would be able to give myself more confidence that I could get through those situations. But until you put yourself in those situations, I think it's really hard to think in that way and to have that experience. So really, I feel like experience is just as important as having that knowledge. So I'd probably tell myself to just get out there and put myself in the arena, put myself in those difficult situations. And that's what life is all about. So I'm glad you talked a little bit about being kind of in the here and now. And I guess, and this may be kind of a crude question, but 
you're running for many hours over the course of the day. What are you actually thinking about as you go through that process? Are you trying to keep your mind kind of empty? Are you staying focused? Are you singing songs to yourself? What are you trying to do to get yourself through that? Well, the biggest thing, I mean, I always try to tell people when they ask me, like, what do you think about when you're out there for that many hours? I really try to tell people I try not to think. I mean, thinking is really kind of the enemy of an ultra runner or anybody doing endurance or ultra endurance activities. I mean, you need to use the mind for obviously, you know, critical functions. You know, you've got to think clearly when the brain goes and your low blood sugar, that's a danger zone that you want to avoid in ultra marathons. You want to make good decisions, but overall, you're going to have a lot of thoughts. And even through all my years of running, it's not like I can complete, I'm still, you know, trying to master turning off the brain in all the noise that comes on. Like it's too hot. You know, my legs are hurting at mile 50 and 150 mile race like spartathlon. I mean, those are things that come up and the key is just recognize them as like their body's trying to give you and the mind's trying to give you cues that you're hot or my legs are hurting, but try not to get overwhelmed with that. Or if it is something that is like something that's painful that should be listened to, I definitely listen to that stuff. But if it's stuff like fatigue and you know, knowing that, you know, my body is kind of done or it's starting to say, well, you know, you can be done right now. Why keep going on? Those are the things I try to just filter out and focus on other things that keep me more in the present moment and not with the mental noise. Things that I focus on, for instance, are my technique, my breath. I try to focus on my nutrition and making sure that I'm staying hydrated and make sure that I'm eating the amount of calories and carbohydrates that I need to I focus on sometimes the competition and try to say, okay, I'm going to catch this person up ahead on the next pass or the next hill. Sometimes it's focusing on, you know, the next aid station that might be five kilometers away. Sometimes it's focusing on just putting one foot in front of the other, getting to the next shady spot. So it's really about just trying to keep my body focused and really in the moment versus what I could be doing if I was out there running, you know, 150 miles or 100 miles. So it's really about mastering that. You get better at it, but I'm like everybody else. I still have those, you know, questions and that mental noise that pops up. So it's hard to imagine any race that could go worse than getting a really bad ankle sprain midway through. But then again, if you're running 150 mile races, often one can only imagine what kinds of adversity you could encounter. But to take a more optimistic bent on it, what is the best, most optimal race that you feel like you've ever run, where you just felt like everything was firing on all cylinders and you just got it that day for whatever reason? What race was that and what actually contributed to that kind of success? I would say, you know, yeah, hardly does an ultramarathon ever go as perfectly planned. I think that's the beauty of the ultramarathon. I always like to say you have time to redeem yourself. There's always redemption in an ultramarathon because the distance is so long, the body can turn around. And that's the really cool thing about it is when you have that experience, it can usually at some point get better and you have to trust in that. And that's a hard thing for even experienced ultra runners. But I'd say the race that I probably pulled off more flawlessly and again there were little things that went not perfect to plan but it was when I set the course record at the time for the Western States 100 in 2004 and ran 15 hours and 36 minutes and that race really kind of flowed more than any other event without having you know an ankle sprain or having a moment where I'm you know super dehydrated, you know, puking my guts out on the side of the trailer road. And that race, I think everything kind of matched up. And between weather and conditions and competition, I pulled off one of my biggest goals that I had set for myself for the six prior years was 
breaking that record. And I think that the things that contributed to it were meticulous planning, the training that I had put in to replicate and be very specific to the situations that I would encounter. I think having the experiences that I had um, the previous five years on the race course and just walking in with a lot of confidence and really knowing my body and also really having a bulletproof plan from nutrition to pacing, knowing my splits. And then also, I think, having the competition I had. I mean, really, I think that the great thing about our sport is competition has been improving year after year, and that, I think, produces great performances. When you put yourself in that situation of having some pressure with other athletes pushing you, that was really key to my success that year in 2004. So one thing that I've read that you're renowned for is having a really good sense of humor in the midst of all this pain. Things like kind of letting out a primal scream when the races begin, doing kung fu moves at water stations, stuff like that, rolling over when you reach the finish line. Can you tell me a little bit about having a sense of humor and how that contributes to your ability to get through this? I think, yeah, having a sense of humor is key. Now, a lot of people, for them, a sense of humor means something different. But for me, running these races, they're very long. Everybody assumes that, you know, you cross the finish line and you're just so beaten, spent, it doesn't look like it's fun. So I try to show people, like, even though, like, even when I've been gutting it out all day long for 15 hours on the Western States 100 course or running Badwater or Spurtathlon or Hard Rock, all these events where essentially there's a lot of discomfort, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of adversity, but in the end, you can come down that finish line feeling like a million bucks. And whether you're winning the race or just getting under the cutoff time, I think it was important for me to just kind of show like what I'm really feeling out there in addition to all the discomfort. So that's why I've always had to try to you know, take a positive and humorous twist. I have friends who got me into the sport. And even though we're working hard and training our butt stuff out there day after day, they just kind of showed me that other side. And I think that was key too. Ultra marathoning and running can be super serious, but you also have to keep it kind of light. And I think that's what's really key is, you know, take in the scenery, take in those moments and laugh a little. And in addition to all the uh, tough times and the grimaces and stuff that you're not really planning or want to have experience. You got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Well, we've got time for one more question. And I guess this is probably a topic we could go deep on at some point down the line. But I think one thing that may come as a surprise to people is that you actually are a vegan. You don't eat meat, you don't eat dairy. And I'm kind of curious how that came to pass, how you found that particular approach to diet and how you feel like it's contributed to your ability as an athlete. I mean, I grew up as a hunting and fishing boy in northern Minnesota, raised, you know, totally meat and potatoes type of diet. So I never thought in a million years that I'd be somebody who'd be totally plant-based and vegan. But after reading a couple of books, seeing my mother struggle and deal with a debilitating disease and chronic disease like multiple sclerosis, it really hit me, you know, working in hospitals as a physical therapist, seeing what my patients were eating. All of those kind of experiences, then I finally picked up a book of Spontaneous Healing by Dr. Andrew Weil. And in that book, he describes, you know, really how the body's healing system is heavily influenced by what we put into it via our mouth and what we eat. And that was the first book that really kind of struck home. I mean, I grew up having gardens as a kid and, of course, you know, living off the land, but it wasn't until my college years where I started reading his books and along with a book called Mad Cowboy where it really just hit home and I realized, you know, seeing all the disease both in my family and then in the hospitals, it was like, you know, how can I prevent this? So initially, I wasn't even thinking it would have a role in performance and what I was doing on the race course. It was all about 
how can I stay healthier longer into life and not end up with a disease as much as possible? And then the other side of it, too, is like, you know, I wanted to keep running. Well, and that's my goal, ultimately, beyond all the winning and competing, is to keep running and, you know, doing the thing that I love to do in the mountains and on the trails and roads, and that's running. And in order to do that, you have to have a healthy body. So for me, it was really that long-term look. And then in consequence, you know, after I changed my diet, was doing this as I was training for my first Western States, it was a huge wake-up call that, wow, you know, my body's actually bouncing back quicker. I noticed that, you know, I didn't get as tired. I noticed I didn't get as sick as often. You know, a lot of changes were occurring on the outside, and it was not only just this long-term approach. It was like it could influence my performance. And doing ultramarathons, you know, I was basically running, you know, back-to-back long runs on the weekends and really putting my body through the ringer, so to speak. And that nutrition really plays a role. And on the race day, it may not matter what you eat, but as long as you're getting enough carbohydrate and fluids and electrolytes, but, you know, what happens on a daily basis so your body can stay in tip-top shape from a bone and muscle level to, you know, cardiovascularly and immune and all the problems we see with a lot of overtraining syndrome these days in athletes. All right, so now that we know what you're eating this week, one last quick question to inspire the rest of us. What do your runs look like this week? What's your training regimen? Yeah, well, I'm kind of in this phase. I'm um, in kind of a base building phase. I know a lot of people, they're usually in their off-season. This summer, I didn't have a big racing season, so I'm kind of gearing up for next spring and next summer for some events. So I'm getting a little jump on things. Normally, I'd be chilling out. So I'd say right now, on a weekly basis, I'm running around maybe 60, 70 miles, nothing too crazy. Winter's kind of descended in Boulder here, and we have eight inches of new snow. So I'm getting a mix of uh, what we usually get in January and February. But yeah, it's been a mix of stuff. I'm not doing too much speed work yet, but hoping to get on the track and start doing some tempo runs. Those are, a lot of people assume ultra runners, you know, don't get on the track or do speed work, but I've always been a fan of, you know, doing very typical marathon workouts in addition to the stuff I'm doing on the trails, specific workouts for running. So that'll kind of start up here soon. And then doing a core routine uh, three to five times a week. Strength training is really key, I feel, for injury prevention and just kind of overall body maintenance. I'm getting older, so it's one of those things where i got to stay on top of my strength and can't get away with just running all the time. So it's really kind of a balanced training approach. So that's what I would recommend to everybody as far as like long-term running and just staying healthy throughout the years. It's really key to keep a balanced approach to it, not just think of training in terms of the miles that you put in and how far you ran each day. It's really about all the other things you do to balance things out. All right. Well, we have to leave it there. Scott Jurek, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We hope that Radio Captain U helps you be more successful on the field. Radio Captain U is a production of Captain U, the network that helps high school athletes, youth coaches, tournament directors, and college coaches be more successful. For more information, visit www.captainu.com. The opinions expressed on the show do not represent the opinions or recommendations of Captain U or its partners.